Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's uh, Wednesday night. And when you, uh, I'm left to do the parsha. I did the other of this week, so let's see if we can take a look at Tazrim and Soro, um, which is a very famous double parsha. Tonight's um, podcast, parsha podcast, is being sponsored by my good friends the Radomskis in Israel. Uh, it has, apparently, it was Benjamin's bar mitzvah parsha long ago. 26 years ago was a long time. Oh my goodness, to me it was like yesterday. And um, and also because it's a, it's also the birthday of the state of Israel, he said. Yom HaTzmuk. That's right. So uh, they live, I think, in the Gush. Now, um, in Israel, you know, it's a big deal, although I don't know if they're making big parades during Corona. That I'm sure not. Anyhow, um, so let's talk about things after to get Israel and Eretz Israel and all the rest of it. Uh, my thoughts uh, this year are along the lines of um, the famous, let me put it this way, the rhetorical side of a lot of what you find in the Agatha, especially in Chazals. Uh, and I'll tell you what I mean. We all heard, and we all know, in fact, most rabbis probably do automatic pilot. As soon as you get to Parshas Tazriyam and Sarah, you get to the Saras, you switch to Loshan Hara. Because everybody says Saras is Loshan Hara. There's no question that there are many statements to that effect. But, first of all, it's not exclusive. So it's always interesting to me that that one gets a lot of play. And the Rambam certainly makes a big deal out of it. A big deal. I, I'm sure I've done that in the past. If you want to see a sermonette and a half, go to the very end of Hillis, uh, you know, Taras or whatever it is over there. And he talks about how it's like getting Pac-Man, getting closer and closer to you. First it hits the walls of your house, then it hits your clothes. Then it hits you, you know. Meaning, all I did is just shut up and stop saying Lashon you jerk, right? If you don't, you don't get it, then we'll strike you, ad kach, That if you're the type of person who's incapable of refraining from Lashon let me tell you something. And there's Shul Rabbi, there are such people. <laughs> They're incapable of of not speaking Lashon So, we will socially, <clears throat> physically isolate you and ostracize you, meaning we'll put you in a house away from everybody else, and you won't be able to talk to anybody. Okay? Now, to be perfectly honest, as an exquisite torture <laughs> for a Lushan Haranik. You get it? There's certain people, they live from the gossip. So the biggest torture is, you cut them off from human intercourse, from human company, nobody to talk to. You know, uh, 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 I know a great uh, story to tell, and there's nobody can tell it to. It's like the famous joke about the rabbi who hit the hole-in-one in the golf on the Yom Kippur, and they said, well, who are you going to tell? You understand? So I have a great Lashon. It's not, it's not fun if you don't have somebody to tell it to. <clears throat> so I do, of course, agree that there is, um, you know, a big connection in Jewish tradition and rabbinical literature between this funny uh, phenomenon of Saras, which um, is not exactly leprosy, of course, but we always speak of it in those terms because it's the closest thing we can think of. Um, as I say, whenever you go to these questions, the first thing I look at is, uh, although I'm out of date, I'm out of date. 
Uh, I'm sure if you go on the internet now, there's a million uh, dermatologists or whatever they do, skin people. I'm serious about from, and it'd probably be interesting from a scientific point of view. I'm not a scientist. What exactly is it for us? Uh, or what is it not? I'm still holding by Price's, Julie's Price's old book, Biblical Talmudical Medicine from 1914. And uh, even then he said, you know, and Saras is a little bit like the leprosy, but in many cases, many respects, it's not. And obviously it's a spiritual thing because the cure for it is not identical with a the medical therapy. Now, uh, Saras is, doesn't say in the parishes for Lush and Heart, mind you. And there is a famous Gemara in Erechim that's quoted several times in the Medrash, in which what the Chazal simply did is look through the Bible, and this is where I'm going to go today, and see which biblical characters got Lush, uh, got Taras, and then ask yourself what was the cause of it. And the funny thing is, it's not always about Lashon at all. There are seven causes of Lashon. This is a Chazal. A Lashon Hara, definitely. A Shvichas If there's a murder, which I understand to mean that if if if, if the, they don't punish the murders, if you have a murder that's left to be, you know, what's the right word? Lawlessness. Shavuas Shav. That's a famous one. Gilarias. Gasus Haruch. That's a bummer. Gazaruch. Somebody's arrogant didn't get leprosy. Vialgezel, Vialtsarasayan, and for stinginess. And they kind of tell you, you know, uh, where they all are. So let's put it this way. Um, Naaman was from Shuashov, and Gilarias would be Pharaoh who tried to put his finger on, his hand on Sarah. And uh, what do you call it? Who was it? Uh, uh, Uziel, the king, wanted to take the, uh, you know, the Keturus. It's a Gasa Ruach. Notice he got, he got super arrogant. Okay? And uh, so on and so forth. Right? So in other words, it is not true that every time you look in the Tanakh, which is the only place we can look, is the only place we can look because Saras only was in biblical period, and it was only in Eretz Yisrael. You know, if if you want to give a very frummy, um, you know, Yom Atzimut speech, you talk about the fact Parsha Tazrim Mitzvah. It's a function of Israel. Outside of Israel, it doesn't work. It's a Kedusha's art type of art. On the other hand, you don't find... Here's the problem. These statements, and many others like the Mechazal, at least this is my contention. Like I say all the time, I could be wrong, and I'm serious, you know, I don't know. But this, this is what strikes me. That's all I can share, what strikes me. A lot of these statements of Chazal have to be understood as rhetorical. They're rhetoric. And they've got it to particularly, you have to know how to read it. i got it to understand it. It's not Pushit. Now, there's a Pushit i got it to. There are, no question about it. And that's not too hard to read and translate and even interpret and so on and so forth. But there are plenty of tough nuggets there that aren't. You get it? There aren't. And uh, what are you supposed to do when you get to some Agarita? It just don't make any sense. For example, you're telling me Here's here's where I'm coming from. <clears throat> that you say Lashon Hara, you get Saras. But it's not true. The whole Tanakh is full of people saying Lashon Hara right and left, and they do not get Saras. Okay? I point, Exhibit A, look at Shmuel Al Shmuel Beis, particularly Shmuel Beis, the time of King David. Even according to Chazal, but even without Chazal, the time was replete with Lashon Hara. That's just what it was. David Amelch is always complaining about this in the Tehillim, Rabim Omri Lo, Eli Aim Yeshua Sabalim 
<clears throat> they're mean-mouthing me, they're telling Loshahara, and over and over again, King David says, you know God is not true, <clears throat> and whatever, I can only look to you. And uh, may I say that King David himself then, himself is guilty of Loshahara, there's a chazal, you know, because uh, with the Mephibosheth story, he believed in Mephibosheth. I think I said this the other day in the podcast. Mephibosheth, um, the grandson of Saul, was lame, and the king watched him like a hawk. And uh, the servant of Mephibosheth, who was in charge of his estates, like I say today, they're burning Madoff. You understand? So uh, he misused his authority, and he lied to the king and told Lashonar that Mephibosheth was siding with the rebellion of Absalom. Which was not true. And even when David found out that this was not true, he didn't give him back all his, his, his property and money. He only gave him back half. Which the Chazal consider a major sin. I don't think most people are aware of this. Unless, you know, you're like uh, learning, maybe in a Beis Yaakov, not to be funny, Beis Yaakov in the 10th grade, and you're being Ma'ayin in the Mepharshim on Shmuel Beis, you know, maybe you see that. But uh, if you ask somebody, what are the big sins of King David's reign? All they'll say is, you know, Bathsheba, you know, controversially, you know, one way or the other. That comes to mind. Uh, usually they don't think of anything else. And uh, and yet, you know, the Chazal say, the Kabbalist Lush and Har that David did was a biggie. And because he only gave half back, he divided the lands of Mephibosheth unfairly for cynical Machiavellian political purposes in order to reward Ziba as a Lush and Har because that way the king is sending out a political message to others. Please tell me all the Lush and Har. <laughs> tell me all the Lush and Har you know. Because I'm a king, I gotta know. I gotta know. You understand? Uh, by the way, there is a, such a Savara. I myself heard, uh, I forget who it was, not too long ago. Maybe it was Rabbi Oberlander from Hungary, who I emailed once. once. Uh, it seems to be a nice person. I think I saw a speech he gave in YU, and he was talking about the phony Yerushalmi, the Yerushalmi on Kutchum, right back 100 years ago. And I forgot who it was. But the, 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 the perpetrator, the uh, forger, was able to get away with it because he took advantage of the fact that a lot of these Rabbanim didn't know about his bad reputation. I'm going by memory. I think this is what he said. And then he said to Sav Sofer, somebody said like this, by Rabbanim, there's no Lashon Hara, meaning a rabbi has no old Lashon Hara. This was in Hungary. Uh, and the meaning of that, as I, as I understand it, was, you know, you have to know Lashon Hara not because you're interested in Lashon Hara, because it's necessary for running the community or something like that. You got to know where all the skeletons are buried. You have to rise above it. Uh, but it's just interesting that King David, by rewarding um, the Lashon Harnik, even after he's exposed as being a liar, is actually sending out a message that if you've got anything bad to say about somebody who might be a rebel, tell me. Uh, a lot of Shmuel Beis, by the way, is political, like Aristotle's politics. It sounds unfirm to say, but it's the truth. There's a whole lot in there, and I could go in that barichas, but I'm not doing a, a podcast on the Nach. Uh, not yet, anyway. So, um, so he, a boss call came out, they say, and said, since you split the land of Mephibosheth, I will tear away half the kingdom and give it to your own Benavot. If that's true, whoa, that's a big sin and a big, big consequence. So, there was plenty of Loshanar going on time with David. And there are many Chazals that say that. They say Acha was, was worse than Abedazara, but Chabra Ephraim and Sayyim Hanachlo. But Acha's time was better in terms of the less Lashon Har. Because Elion Novi said, I'm the only Novi left, and everybody knew there were 50 hiding in a cave, and nobody told. So, wait a minute. David Elk didn't get Lashon Har. I'm sorry. He didn't get Saras. Uh, Ziva, as far as we know, didn't get Saras. Um, you see what I'm saying? Avner 
was accused of Lashon Hara, didn't get Saras, and so on and so forth. All these guys have been walking around the Mitzvah. You see, the simplistic way, what you teach in fifth grade is, oh, once upon a time long ago, it was great, you had a Geiger counter. And anytime it was Lashon Hara, the guy got Saras. That way he'll shut up. So that would be a picture of a perfect society, and anybody who gets out of line starts to see through us. I'll give you an example. Uh, I don't want to say me, but I will. Let's say I was living, according to this scenario, let's say I was living 2,500 years ago, eh, three, you know, 2,800 years ago, time of Bayez Rishon. And let's say, I said, well, my neighbor looks uh, pretty well-fed today. So that's what you would call borderline Lashon Hara. So I would get borderline, uh, you know, uh, white hair or, uh, you know, some mechas, boss, or one of these things that they say in the Parsha. And immediately I would say, I guess, whoa, I stepped over line, and I immediately shut it down, and I don't go weiter. You see? Unless I'm a nut, you know, and I and I take it all the way to to Mitzorah Mukhlat. I mean, that's a stubborn guy who won't admit that he's saying Loshan Hara. But it's not really so, because, as I said before, half the characters in Tanakh should have walked around with leprosy, and the opposite is rare the places of people you come across with leprosy in the Tanakh. Like I mentioned the other day, you got Gechazi, that's the one case, you got the, that King Uziel, you got, the, you know, one here, one there. Very rarely. So it's rhetorical. When Chazal say that Saras come to hard, they're trying to get a point across. Rhetoric means you're using language to impress the uh, the listener. Um, in this case, Musser, get it? You're trying to get Musser. Shut up. Don't say Lashon Hara. It causes Saras. And it did on occasion. I mean, Miriam is the case. She got Saras. But is it a Mehmet Sinus since she got Saras, anybody talks, also gets Saras? It's just not so. Otherwise, not to be funny about it, half the Jewish people at any one time or more would be walking around with Saras. <laughs> right? Because, you know, to people, anytime there was a Kiddush on Shabbos, there's going to be a lot of lepers walking home. No? Isn't that true? Right? Somebody just sent me a thing. I don't, I think it was in She World. I don't like when people give Dvar Torahs at Kiddushes. Just let the people at the Chant and, and talk and say Loshan Har in peace. <laughs> you understand? Well, if if it's true, every time you say Loshan Har, which is a terrible thing, you get a Saras, that shut down that Kiddush pretty quick. Right? Pretty quick. And so, is it rhetorical? You get it? Now, to tell you the truth, it's complicated because I just said before, King David didn't get no Saras. Well, maybe he did. Um, it's unclear. Uh, but it's not exactly tied with the Tsaras. Um One of the interesting Yushalmis on the reign of King David, I always remember this, I'm sure I've spoken about it in the past, it's always fascinating to me, is the one about King David's extermination campaign in Edom. Um, if you know anything about the reign of David Melech, you know, he wasn't into as many wars as people imagine. Uh, quite the opposite. By the time he became king, he was like close to 40. You know, was he, uh, how's it go? Was he from the age of 30 to, to 70? But part of that time was only in the tribe of Yehuda. And the long and the short of it is, is a famous Ghazal. One place it says he ruled for 40 and a half years. You know what I just said? 40 years and 6 months. And other Pesukim say it was only 40 months. So you know if you're in a barber you say you just round it off. But if you're in the Chazal, you say, I had a Miyash of the two. And so there are many... So that's the question. 
and there are many different interpretations offered in the world of Chazal to try to explain the discrepancy between the fact that on one hand it says he ruled for 40 years, and the other hand he ruled for 40 years and 6 months. And um, one of them, for example, this is a very logical one, says that during the 6 months of the rebellion of Absalom, when the entire country <coughs> dumped David, and he was hiding and mobilizing small uh, forces for what would turn out to be unexpectedly a successful battle against Absalom, those six months are not counted as him being a king. So technically they are. They're part of his reign, but he had no power, you know, as a king over Klai Yisrael during those six months because the public backed Absalom. That's a whole story by itself. But Dovah was rejected, and the public backed Absalom. Even Dovah says, Rabbi Momri Malai, ain't lo Yishu will himself in the tilim. That's one way to be Miyashavit. Uh, another way to be Miyashavit is to say that really he was king for 40 years and 6 months, but 6 months of it are a war crime. And therefore, we do, the Pasuk says that, that omits it is like ashamed of the war crime. You tell me, what's a war crime? Uh, at a certain point in the reign of King David, when he was sitting in peace, he sent a delegation of ambassadors to the king of Ammon's funeral. The ambassadors were insulted, a war broke out, and all hell broke out. By the time the story unravels, David is faced with a multi-front war. And if you read to Helm closely, Israel was invaded and uh, and a lot of Jews were killed. Uh, look at the Tehillim number 60, I think it is, and 79. Uh, 79. Anyway, anyway um, and in the middle of being attacked by right and left and in and out, Edom stabbed us in the back. Okay, So, if you want a modern example, now this didn't happen, what I'm saying. The only thing about the Yom Kippur War, Israel was attacked on both fronts of the Yom Kippur, in the south by Egypt, and in the north by Syria. I think many of us remember that. That was a bummer and a half, and Israel wasn't prepared to go out their pants down. Now, therefore, they had to wage a very bitter struggle with a lot of casualties in the Golan Heights on the one side, and the Sinai on the other side. What would happen if Jordan would attack right then and there? Which they did not do. Right? What would happen if Jordan would attack right then and there? Oh my God, that's like Mama stabbed because in the back. Would have caused tremendous problems. If you know, I don't want to bore you with the intricacies of Israeli military history, but only when Israel ascertained that Jordan was not going to intervene in the war, and they were sure about that, then they put the reserve tank division that was facing Jordan under Israel's top tank general, John Moshe Pellet. I know you never heard of him, but I can tell you there's a statue of him in the American Tank Museum in Kentucky, wherever it is. He's considered with Patton and these other guys. You know, Rommel, one of the big tank generals, when he found out that Jordan's not going to attack, then they were able to move in the Golan and kick the Syrians in the teeth and kick them out in a bloody fighting. So, in the case of David Melch, he didn't get this lucky break. Edom Tak attacked and killed 18,000, if you read in the Tehillim over there. <clears throat> and David was there for pretty angry. <clears throat> I'll use uh, that language. And uh, when the war was over, meaning when David finally, with great casualties, defeated the main enemy army of Aram, those are the big ones with the million-man army. So uh, when David did that, so he said, I guess, okay, now it's payback time. Okay? It's payback time. We're taking out Edom. And the Pusik says, so in other words, he defeated the main army, and now, you know, it's a little bit like Japan after Germany surrendered. <laughs> he said, now you're going to get it. Okay? Now you're going to get it. We're going to transfer all the American armies to go after you. So 
It says over here, Vayibi in, in Malachim Alv. It's not where you think it would be. It's in uh, chapter 11 of Malachim Alv. Vayibi Yos Dovid is Edom, Balos Yov, Sard Savol, Karbis Cholalim. When Dovid entered Edom and Joab came, his general, to bury the dead that the enemy had killed, Vayach Kol Zachar Bedom. They killed every male child as a, as a genocide in Edom. Vayach Kol Zachar Bedom. Kisheshes Yomim, Yashav Shom Yov, Chol Yisrael. Yoav said, so we're going to do this right. We're going to go house to house and building the building. We're going to kill everybody. And again, it's got to be a rhetorical statement. I don't say they kill every single person literally, but they killed a whole lot. You have to understand the language of the Tanakh and the rhetorical style. I'm very serious about it. I'm not being funny. Now, um, and, and you should know, by the way, there is a Gemara, is it a Yushalmi? No, is it a Gemara in the Pesachim, whatever? Where a Roman who, according to the Jews, is descended from Edom, so I guess, why don't we pay you back? You exterminate us, why don't we exterminate you? And the rabbi gave him some kind of smarty answer. But anyway, the um, the, the Gemara says there's an opinion. One of the Chazal, Am Rabbi Yudan Am Rashalum, Ksiv Sheishes Yom Yoshev Sham Yov Chol Yisrael, the Yov, the Pasuk I just read you, they stayed there for six months to kill every Edomite. In the Chumash, God told Moshe Rabbeinu, when it comes to Adam, skirt around them, do not mess them over. And you're attacking them and wiping them out? These six months will not be accounted in your reign. It's like a disgrace. Now, I read it like a war crime vart. You could read it somewhat differently. You you know, if you're Mayan in the words, uh, it could be something special about Adam, after they come from Esau, and Esau comes from, you know, Avram, and so on and so forth. It's, you know, it's possible to read it that way. Uh, but, and, you know, when it says, David Bikishli, his car is bummed, I don't know what that means. Edom attacked us. You see? It sounds like the UN. They can attack Israel. Israel can't fight back. Uh, in general, if you know who David's policy was, and this is all a very interesting subject, if you read closely, uh, Shmuel Abba, especially Shmuel Bays, David's foreign policy is very simple. You leave me alone, I leave you alone. Right? You, you don't mess with me, I don't mess with you. You mess with me, I go nuclear. Okay? You know, Hiram el the Lebanese, the, the Phoenicians, live next door to Israel. They didn't bother the Jews. They did business with them. The Jews didn't bother them. Shine. You mess with me, then I'll make sure you never mess with me again. And it's pretty savage. Now, and that's the way, you know, things went. So they're saying over there that the reason it's not six months is because of, um, it was a disgrace. You could learn it differently. And I, just for the heck of it, I pulled out, don't ask me why, Menashe and Israel Conciliator, and uh, which is one of my favorites. And, uh, you know, because he always, this is a classic conciliator vart. On the one hand, it says 40 years. On the other hand, it says he reigned 40 years and six months. And he brings down in his style all the opinions. Um, and others say, I'm reading, now this is written in Spanish, I'm reading the English translation. Six months not reckoned, second passage is... Um, Oh, here it is. It's reckoning only 40 because of the six months that Joab and all Israel were in Edom are not included, probably from the disturbed state of the country, or because when the whole of Edom was not subdued, the kingdom of David was not secure. That's Menachem and Israel writing for apologetics in the 17th century. He didn't want to say, baby, we went in there and cleaned house, you know? Because then, you know, Menachem and Israel trying to get the Jews in England, trying to show the Jews they're civilized people. He didn't want to bring that out. So therefore they'll say, why was it six months not mentioned? Well, because, you know, when Edom wasn't subdued, 
There was no national security in Israel. There was raids and all this sort of thing. Therefore, it's an part of his reign. You got to watch out when you read Svarim, and especially the ones that are more apologetic. They always put a, a twist, a lemon twist, you know, on on the Pshatim. But what about Saras? Right? What about, what about the, the leprosy? Uh, one opinion is that um, that there's six months because David got Saras. Now, why would David get Saras? In other words, he was king for forty years and six months, but six of those months is that Saras, therefore, it's not counted. You can say it's not counted. Now, why did David get the Saras? Um, there's a Tosus in Yumo says it's a Basheva. I think there are other sources that say he got Saras because it's war crime. But they, I haven't seen anyone who says David Amal got the Saras because he listened to the Lashara. Isn't that funny? That's what you think. Right? That would be perfect, by the way. He's a Kabbalah Lashara about Mephi Boshes, about an honest man. Hashem got angry at him. He said, Oh, you like that? I'll show you. And and try this out for size, you know. Have have Saraz for six months, then you won't be in Lashon anymore. That's the way it would have been written by the art scroll, right? But it's not. It, it isn't like that. So what we we deal with over here is 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 a rhetorical style. When the Chazal say you get Saraz because of Gezel, baby, there's a lot of Gezel out there, <laughs> right? There's a lot of Gezel out there, especially if we're talking about Halacha Gezel, and you get Saraz for Gasas Haruach. Oh my goodness. If everybody who was arrogant got the got, got the saras, it'd be impossible. You understand? So it's a rhetoric. So what, what what do you mean we get rhetoric? This is a hard nut to crack. The Rambam uh, has a famous uh, passage in the Hakdama uh, de you know, the introduction to Chelik, which is a masterpiece. That's the one of the, I used to learn with high school boys years ago. Parakelik is a masterpiece of rhetoric by itself. By the way, it's highly rhetorical. And uh, it's written, of course, very well. It's the Rambam at his best, and as I would say, and of course, it's written in, in, in Arabic, but it's uh, translated into Hebrew. And famously, the Rambam, among other things, discusses precisely what we're talking about, which is what do you do with the Galatas? Now, in his particular case, in his time in the 12th century, the Galatas he was worried about was not the ones I just said before, but rather. Um, the ones that sound like impossible, scientifically impossible, fantasy. You understand? You know, it says uh, something super miraculous sounds like it's not true. What, what, what do you do with that? Um, like I mentioned the other day about the the bug that went up the nose of Titus and became a bird that the morale talks about. I think that's what the realm is talking about. And he says, <laughs> and you really should, if you want to have fun and you're not familiar with this already, this week go pull out the Rambam's intro to Perichelic is a famous essay, by the way, and it's uh, it's uh, tersely summarized in Mishnah Torah, but much worse writing. And you have to read it, the thing in the full. And one one of those he said is how do people deal with these kind of agadatas that don't seem, you know, transparent? Like everybody says, Loshanar gets gets saras. You know, it doesn't seem that way. So he says, listen, there are three types of people out there: A, B, and C. Uh, some people are for the and he says for the firmest of reasons, uh, they're just fideus. Whatever it says on the cowl. If it says a bug went up the nose, a bug went up the nose. If it became an iron uh, bird, it became an iron bird. If you tell somebody jumped off the moon and ran off the spoon, it happened. Because if it's a say, it's true. So the Ramam says they mean well, because they're saying if it's in the Gemara, I'm taking it. Like the truth, 
but they but they, they make a mistake of literal truth. Get that's the mistake. And he says these people mean to praise Chazal, but they're really um, uh, uh, what's the right word? Dissing them because um, they're basically saying Chazal is as stupid as they are because they're taking it literally. Chazal didn't didn't mean to take it literally. Then he says there's a second group that says the Chazal meant it literally because Chazal were stupid, and those people even worse because they're Rishayim. And then he says there's a third group, Ma'atin Ma'od, a very few. In fact, there's a grand total of one. <laughs> he goes on to say, Ain Roy Lakrosam Kat El Kamasha Min Raki Yechido. Right? There's actually one person, the Ramah says, in our generation, meaning himself, who understands how to go through Chazals. I'm talking about the um, Agatatas. And he said, You don't take them literally? Now, I don't think he meant everyone, but he said, Don't take them literally. Um, it's a Mashal Melissa. And the shot is defined as the Mashal Melissa. So wait a minute, it's easy to say that, but what, what, but how do you do that? What does it mean? And he goes on this at great length, and uh, he says, listen, Chazal were geniuses, so therefore if they say something weird, you know they don't mean literally, and try to figure out what the shot is. To put it in English, simple English, if some dumb male in the street says one plus one equals three, so I say he's too dumb, he doesn't know arithmetic. But if Albert Einstein says one plus one equals three, then I say to myself, wait a minute, I know he knows, arithmetic, so, but nevertheless, he asserted one plus one is three. I have to ask myself the following question. What's the pshat? What did he mean? You get it? If he said one plus one is three, what did he mean? You follow? Uh, was it a philosophical word? Was it a rhetorical word? And so on and so forth. Uh, so that's how you're supposed to approach the um, Chazals. And he even says over here, and that's why I'm sharing this with you, because you can do a little bit of this this weekend, um, if you choose to, I'll tell you, in Shlishis, if you're in the third group that Taka understands how to, that that your task is to unpack, to decode the Chazals, and you see they say something which your Das, which your normal logic, a distance itself from, in other words, you say it can't be. Like I'm telling you right now, it can't simply be, if you say Loshahara, uh, uh, then you get saras. Because, you see, so many people don't. Now, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a nubby or anything like that. It's a regular does, regular, you know, common sense. So, what do you do? The Rama said like this. Tamod v'tisbonim bo. You know, tamod v'tisbonim bo. Think it through. Don't just, you know, talk in the, you know, when you're walking home from shul, you just talk to somebody and they come to me. Give it some serious thought. V'tayda shulchidim mashal. And understand it's some kind of a mushal, meaning it's not literal. But don't say it's not literal and leave it at that. Betishkav ashuk and go to bed troubled in mind. In other words, carve over it, work it out. Here I'm giving you your ta- your, your your job for the week. What does Chazal mean when they say that Saras comes from the Losh Hara? It's obviously not a, a, a one plus one equals two situation. Then anybody said Lashonar gets Lashonar, or, or in the old days did, because otherwise all these people in the Tanakh, which the Chazal themselves tell us were big Lashonar Nicks. I'll say it again, the Chazal talk about all the people in David Melch's time, and they didn't call it Lashonar. So, Vatishkav Ashukalev, go to bed troubled, Utrud Harayon, and in other words, dream about this stuff. You know, work it through your mind. Let it be something that you obsess on. It's a glorious, what's the right word? A magnificent obsession. That is what we call a magnificent obsession. That guy says, I'm trying to hop what's shot with the Taras. 
I just don't get it. I know they say this, but it doesn't work. What did they mean? The Rama said, that's the way to go. V'tishkav, and go to bed. Ashuk halev utrud harayon, v'chiburo u'bisvaroso. Think of the way the Chazal phrased it, right? V'chiburo, in other words, everything they said, they phrased also in the right way. So the language, for example, I told you before, although this is not the one I was talking about, was, al-shiva dvarim negoim boim, etc. Al-shiva dvarim negoim boim. So does that simply mean if you do one, you get the other? Or does it mean in a general way, for for six, for seven things, negoim boim. What's, what's the shot? Boim. That's, that's simply what the maral does, that's all. You take every single word, and you say, you know, why does he use the, the verb ba, you know, or something like that? Uh, why does it say spread, or whatever? So, again, I'm going back to the Rambam. Betishka v'ashu u'kalev, u'trud ha'rayam b'chiburu v'svaraso, v'tachshov limso kavonos ha'seichel v'amunos ha'yosher. Which means, and try to come up with a common sense answer. Get it? Common sense answer. Limso kavonos ha'seichel v'amunos ha'yosher. Right? And I see in the parish here, Tishtadel imso pisaron, lechido, ba'ofen hamati melasechel ayoshar, ba'yoshar amunab. So that's the key, that's a wonderful phrase. Whenever you deal with these chazals, you need sechel yoshar and a yoshar amunah. You both. Sechel hayoshar, ba'yoshar amunah, or amunah yoshar, uh, which is not so simple. The, the guys who took it literally don't have amunah yoshar, they don't have sechel yoshar, at least according to the Rambam. So if we're dealing with, with a rhetorical concept, um, did David get Saras because of uh, the the war? Uh, did he get Saras maybe for the Lashon I mean, you know, it's not clear. As I told you before, it's Tosfus, not the Gemara that suggests that the David got the Saras because of the Bashava business. Maybe other Rishonim, I don't know, say he got Saras because of the uh, incident with Mephibosheth with the with the, with the Lashon over there. <clears throat> but we certainly see. Right? That there are other causes of the Lashon Hara. Okay? You certainly see that. I talked about Gechazi the other day, but, you know, the, the famous story of the king, the Gasa Ruach case, you know, comes to mind. And uh, he wasn't doing Lashon Hara, King Uziyahu. He just uh, thought he could, uh, you know, that there are no limitations on his royal power. Uh, and so God took him down to size. Now, if this is true, it kind of complicates the simplistic understanding of the whole process. Because in Tasriya Mitzorah, there's a whole purification business going on. It's Pashat Mitzorah. It's all about the various purification rituals that are together with the, uh, you know, it's the Ras. And, uh, and there are a whole bunch of them. I'm going through Menachas now. I'd like to do, do Mishnah's Menachas before Shulis get ready for the Shtelech and all that. And, you know, they got is this mock of that, is that mock of this. You know, you know, Ezov, Shneel Tolas, Shnei Tziparim. It's a lot of, it's a, it, 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 it's a complicated business. This uh, purification rituals. Now, uh, what, are, what, what are they trying to get over here? And why did Chazal make a big deal out of all this? Right? Must be that they recognized that uh, you know the that the Jewish people have like some serious issues with Pirud. And um, yes, we have Shpichas Dam and Gila Rice and Gasa Ruch and all the rest of it. You find it there, but at the end of the day, those are like kind of personal faults. The um, the Loshan Hara, and everything goes along with that, is a more deadly because it's against the Tibur. You see? At least that's what makes Seichel Yishar to me. 
Um, here we are, for example, um, in uh, the Sphera. Now, uh, I always say over and over and over again, people conflate three separate things, but they're really distinct. There's the um, carbonomer, there's the midst of counting 50 days, and then there's a separate thing totally, that the students of Rabbi Kiva died, and a whole bunch of mourning rituals popped up in the Middle Ages, it seems. In the Middle Ages. Uh, which is interesting, because it's not in the Gemara. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, and that became what we call the sphere. You can't do a wedding, can't do a haircut, and so on and so forth. Music, but people are hyper over the sphere more than they're hyper over the Lashon Hara. That's the funny part. Well, what is what is the, the Chazal is the only, let's put it this way, we have no records of the death of Rabbi Kiva students, except the Gemara. And the Gemara says, as we all know, it's on the Nogu Kovitz So what is all that? That's the Lashon Hara. Yeah, that's Lashon Hara. Because no lo nogu is kavazelzeh, at least as I understand it, means and you've seen it all the time. You have a, it's, it's a big danger of scholarly society. It's out in the Gaisha world also. You know the biggest scientists want this is the other because when you know you think that's a discovery, it's garnished. My thing is a discovery, you know. And I've seen Rosh Hashivas and other like that also. He can't help it. To some degree, it's it's almost like uh, a sign to your member of the elite group. You understand? Like, if I don't know how to learn me, so but who pays attention? But if a big person makes a mistake, they'll go, oh, see what he did? Um, so, the students of Rabbi Kiva basically died for Lashon Hara, or the kind of social, um, what's right, ripping of the social fabric that's associated with Lashon Hara. And it certainly seems like they talk bad about each other, and the reason I say it is because they say they all die from Oscarah, and Oscarah is a diphtheria, which means you're choking, so you can't breathe anymore. So that's a, like a Medikinic, it sounds, sounds like a Medikinic and Medikinic type part, right? That they, uh, you know, spoke bad about each other. Then, uh, until the point came, they couldn't speak. So in the first temple, you would have gotten Saras, and that would give you time to back out of it. In the second temple, you got the Oscar, and then you died from it. You know, so it's, it's like a, a, a weaker, cheaper version, and a more lethal version, in the sense of killing, than happened the first time. You, you understand what I'm saying? According to the way we understand it, had the students of Rabbi Kiva been in Bayesrishan, they would have got the Taras. But there wasn't in the second temple, and therefore they got the uh, they got the um, the Askara. They got the diphtheria. And they choked to death. So uh, all this is heavy stuff. But you know, today's Yomat's mood also is was mentioned by a sponsor. And the number it, it seems to me, I don't follow the Israeli politics too closely, only because it's disgusting. You know, at certain times I follow it, certain times not. And lately, it's like American politics. I'm just tuning out. I'm just tuning out. You know what I'm saying? It's a little depressing. Uh, and we all know Israel's going four elections. Maybe they're going to have another four elections. They ain't going nowhere. Right? And what's the reason? It's Mamasha personal politics. They're all right-wing parties. But this one's angry that Bibi did this, and Bibi's angry that this one did this, and this one cheated here and that one there. It's Mamasha, you know, it's it's Lenogu Kovazazazer. And it's a Lashon Hara campaign. The whole politics is built around Lashon Hara. If the Chazal is true, that anybody said Lashon Hara would get the, the Tzaraz, there would have been no politics in the biblical period. Because you can't have politics without the Lashon Hara. You cannot have politics without the Lashon Hara. Uh, we're coming up soon to um, Shavuos with Megillus Rus. Check out the... Um, Shoresh Yishai, which is the commentary on Megillus Rus written by um, the Chododi, you know, Alkabet, Shlomo Alkabet. 
He wrote this famous commentary. All of his commentaries are very good. I mean, you don't need my ask but I'm just saying that they're very good. And uh, he says something quite remarkable. He says, why was the book of Ruth written? You know, anytime you have a safer, let's put the Chumash aside. Anytime you have a safer, somebody wrote it. And if you're right, he had a reason and a time and an audience in mind. And so what was the shot with Ruth? As we know, it's not Tumah Batara, it's not Isabel So what is it? And uh, the Alchabets suggest it was written as an anti-Lushan horror book. People were saying all kinds of things about King David. Or let's put it this way. During the time of Shmuel Olive, when David was a contender for the throne, and his old claim was that Shmuel had anointed him, if you're and Saul was opposing him, if you're on the team of Saul, you're going to say like this, David is not only a liar, which he is, but he's also unqualified for a whole bunch of reasons. His grandmother was Ruth. I heard she was a flusely, a prostitute. She was this and the other. She murdered Boaz. David murdered his mother. You know, when it comes to Lashon Har and politics, there's no limitations. You can say whatever Shekhar you want. And they do. Politics is composed of Shekhar. You know, it's like well, whiskey and, uh, and and water. A little bit of water, a lot of whiskey. It's it's it's, it's a lot of Shekhar. And uh, you couldn't tell. And when you hear so much Shekhar out there, which is what the politicians want, that is what they aim for, to fill the air with the Shekhar. So the Lashon Har, a successful politician is a guy who gets his Lashon Har believed. Look at the last Trump election. You know, a successful politician... I repeat, a successful politician is one who succeeds and gets his, his Loshan Harbi Makabal, despite what they read in Parshas Tashvim and Sora. And in the case of David, it was highly effective. And Shmuel Anabi, says the Alkabets, in order to combat this, wrote a book to, you know, basically say, like, here are the facts. I am the prophet Samuel, and I'm telling you this is what happened. He told him the whole story. So no, Ruth did not murder her husband. Her first husband died, Machlin Killian. It was a, from a famine or something like that. And had nothing to do with her. And she was at Sadekis. And the bottom line is, if you say, Amoni Lomovis, Mov Lomovis, and all that stuff, she married Boaz. Boaz liked to go to the door. That's what the Chazal say. So basically, I'll tell you like this. She married the Chazanish. you telling me that she was also like Kahal? You know, she married the Vilnagon. Now, what does that mean? It's amazing, but it's pretty sad. It means the Lashon Har was so powerful that it required a whole book to be added to the Torah to uh, upshlug the Lashon Har. Okay? So that's almost like a companion volume to Parshish Tazrim and Torah that the Chazal appreciate the power of Lashon Har. That's why they give emphasis, I think, I think, I think to give the emphasis to the social side, to the social crime of Lashon Har, which is, uh, you know, can destroy communal bonds. Um, but when they say, you know, because of Lashahara, there we get the Mitzvah, Motsi Ra. I don't understand it simplistically. At least I don't understand it simplistically. But rather, as a as a, uh, a, a statement of rhetoric, although to tell you the truth, I don't have the exact reason. I can only speculate. So I'm still holding like what Ramon says, Tishkav, Ashuki Levu Trud Harayon. I would suggest that you do the same thing. Anyway, it's certainly something an intelligent person wants to think about. Um, when they're reading Parshat's Rimitz are in my opinion. With that, I wish you all a good job. And I thank the Bidomskis uh, also. In Israel, they should have a good Yom mode too. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.com dot rabbi david